Go Duke. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm a state fan. I was talking to my sister last night during the game. It was her birthday, and I was, she's a Carolina fan. I don't know what happened to her, but anyway. I said, um, she said, well, I'm sure you'll be enjoying the game. This has nothing to do with God or anything. I just want to say it because I can. Um, she said, I'm sure you'll be enjoying the game. And I was like, why? I'm DVRing it. And she said, oh, well, you know, because Duke's killing them. And um, I said, well, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because last time Duke killed Carolina, Carolina won, right? So it doesn't matter. But I told her, I said, I said, Mary, I know you're a Carolina fan and I'm a state fan, but honestly, and just let me take off the pastor hat for a second. Don't judge me. But the only way for a state fan to really win during a Carolina Duke game is for a meteor to fall and kill everybody. <laughs> and then I asked God to forgive me, you know, because I know there's probably a few state fans there and he needs to spare them. I'm just messing with you. It's a terrible way to start. Terrible. Okay, so let's try it again, shall we? Let's do a pastoral opening. If thou shalt take out your word and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We are in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, this is the 10th week of the one series. Uh, we're just If this is your first time with us, we're taking, um, just taking our time, taking a little stroll. A little jaunt, that's a fun word to say, through the book of Ephesians, which is actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, right? And so that's why it's called Ephesians. Um, and we are learning a lot of cool stuff. We spent a lot, the first half, it was all kind of theoretical, and you know, now it's getting more practical, and it's getting a little more um, in our face, maybe. And so Paul's not scared to say things that need to be said, and Anyway, that's where we are right now. So Ephesians chapter 4, last week we started looking at gifts, and we talked about, um, just real quick, the, the big idea last week was the gifting does the lifting, and so just, just to recap last week, look at the person next to you. Just look at them. I hope they brush their teeth, or at least had a breath mint after all that fantastic singing, because you know when you sing a lot, it makes your breath smell bad. Just I don't know if you knew that, but it's always good to have Tic Tacs just to throw in the person's mouth next to you. Um, but we said last week that you're sitting next to the gift. Which still, I can tell a week later, is we're still in disbelief about that. Um, you're sitting next to the gift. Ephesians chapter 4, um, just verses 7 through 13, talks about that you and I are gifts. Like when God thought up a plan to help the body grow, he thought, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll give gifts in the body. I'll kind of sprinkle gifts in the body. I'll come down. I'll stoop down and make them great, and I'll give them gifts. And those gifts, when they're working the way they're supposed to, will actually raise up the body. And we all go, well, yeah, of course God gave them gifts. Like, you're one of them, Paul, and I won't disagree with that. But no more than you are. But we think that the pastor's the gift because he holds the mic. That the worship leader is the gift because he has the guitar. That, you know, if you go to church with Sunday school, the Sunday school, that's the person. that He's the gift because he's leading the Sunday school. Or here, community group leaders, they're the gifts. We don't always think about the fact that the Bible says that you are a gift. And so if I'm doing a lot of work and I'm using my gift but nobody else is, guess what's not happening? I'm trying to lift us off and I can't because nobody else is going. 
But when we all start to use our gifts, then we start to get lifted up. The gifting does the lifting. That was last week. So this morning, he says in verse 14, the very first word, then. And what that means is when it says then, you should say when. Huh, then. So what's he talking about? It's when we're doing all the things, when the gifting is doing the lifting, when all that is taking place, then. So let's read this real quick. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every word of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Sorry, I had something in my throat. God was cursing me for wanting Duke and Carolina fans to die. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Um, I've got this question down in my notes. What are some things that we do for babies but we don't want to do for adults? Yeah, that was the first one for me, right? Change diapers. That's obvious, isn't it? Like, I'm not even gonna say I'm I'm okay changing a baby's diaper. Some men don't change baby's diapers because like they're changing it and there's a mess, and then they throw up and there's a bigger mess, right? But we're okay in a pinch, even if you're a man who doesn't like the smell of baby diapers. We can change a baby's diaper and not feel weird doing it. But a 45-year-old changing that diaper. Yes, you go to jail for stuff like that, right? Yeah, we don't want to do that. So that's an obvious one. Um, what about this? It doesn't look odd if you're giving your baby a bottle. Might seem odd if you're holding the bottle for the man, right? Um, what about wiping spit up from your baby's mouth with a spit up cloth? Oh, look, Laura's doing it right now with Bailey. So Laura's holding Bailey, and Bailey does what babies do. Plop. And now Laura gets out the wipey, and she's cleaning up the mess. Later today, if we go to a Mexican restaurant, and Laura pulls out a wipey and starts to wipe my mouth. That's weird, right? I mean, it is weird. I'm just asking for clarification. That's kind of weird. So baby wipe the drool, that's one thing. Yeah, and then here's my favorite one of all. What about baby talk? What is it about babies? That, like, bring everybody down to, <laughs> oh, you've got such chubby, wubby, little cheeky wiggies. But, like, if we do that right now to a baby, everybody's like, cool. Talk to your boss like that tomorrow at work. What's up, you sweet little bossy wassy? It's just not going to work out. There's certain things that we're okay doing for babies. We don't want to do it for adults. And, and what does that have to do with anything here? It has to do with here that Paul, now Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Quite a bit of the stuff you read in the New Testament, Paul wrote. And so well, you don't have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul says this, that when we start to grow, we put away childish things. So there's a time in our spiritual growth when we don't need to be doing the baby talk it's time to grow up paul talks a lot about the need here in ephesians 4 to grow up in our faith he talks about benefits of refusing to do the things that babies do when we should be doing what adults do so i want to give you uh, three truths okay just three important truths here's number one god wants his children to grow um this is funny to me because um this is sometimes we think of god like Like, we're parents, but God's like super parent, right? 
Like, we think we want things for our kids, but like God, he's super dad. But there's a lot of ways that God's a father just like I'm a father, and this is one of them. I'd like for my kids to grow up. Wouldn't you? You don't want my kids to grow up. You want your kids to grow up. Like, every parent, now this is cool, every parent, I don't care if you love Jesus, I don't care if you love the church, I don't care if you're an atheist, I, I don't care, none of that matters, all that matters is that you actually have a kid. If you have a child, you understand that you want your child to grow up. And there's one really important reason why you want your child to grow up. You'd like them to leave at some point. Now, I know, you know, right now, you know, I go and lay down in Sydney's bed with her at night, and we say prayers, and I look at her, and I think, I don't, I don't know if I want you to leave. But let her be 27, eating my food, playing my video games, mm-hmm. wanting to borrow my car and have me pay for the gas. We might have a conversation that goes like this. I love you. There's something God wants more for your life than this, and it doesn't happen in my house. Right? Here's your first month's rent. Let's go find a place. See, God's no different. Think about that. God, he's not knocking us for having been infants. I, I love that. He, Paul says this, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their de- deceitful scheming. Paul's not saying, look, it's bad to be an infant. There are times when we will actually be an infant. What he's saying is it's bad to stay an infant. Now, if you think back to when you first had your children, there were these things called milestones. You remember that? Like you would read these books. Like if your kid's normal, he'll be doing this. And so one of those is, is walking, right? So you kind of get to one year of age. And if your baby's not walking at one year, in the back of your head, you're kind of like, hmm, I don't know about this, but it's just been a year. Let's write it out. 18 months not walking? You're worried. 24 months? You're going to a doctor. You see how that works? Like with our own kids, you kind of look for these milestones, mile markers, and when they're not happening, just in the natural. Like this isn't even about loving Jesus. This is just like being a parent. You just go, wait a second, something's not right. 35 years old, in their pajamas, on your couch in the basement, playing a video game, and they're a guy. It's like, dude, something's not right. There's certain mile markers that you look for, and they kind of get, get our attention. And Paul's just saying, look, sometimes we are infants. There are times that we are infants. 1 Peter 2.2 says that. It tells us that there will be times that we will be an infant. But is, is it okay to stay infants? No. Hebrews 5.12 tells us that. Hebrews 5.12 actually says something like this, like, by now you should be teachers, but you still need somebody to teach you. Um, have you ever read in the Gospels where Jesus would turn to his disciples and say things like, real, real loving like this? Dude, how long do I have to put up with you? It doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? It's not even in King James. But sometimes Jesus would look at his disciples and say, Man, how long? Like, do I still have to, we, are we going back to that? And that's the whole thing. God's heart as a father is he wants his children to grow. So today we're going to talk about Paul kind of lays out how we grow. But before we talk about how we're supposed to grow, let's talk about why we're supposed to grow. Matthew 28. 
These are the last two things that Jesus said to his disciples when he was on the planet. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, just to summarize, it's called the Great Commission. If you've never heard that phrase, Google it. It's called the Great Commission because this is kind of like Jesus' last words. And I don't know if you've ever had last words with somebody. I've had last words that I didn't know were last words. Uh, and the, the Thanksgiving morning that I went and told my mom, Happy Thanksgiving, those were my last words. Didn't know they were my last words until the next day when she died. If I'd have known that they were the last words, what, what do you think I would have done? Probably said something a lot more important than, Happy Thanksgiving. I'd have said, like, you're the best mom in the world, and I love you, and everything I am is because of you and Jesus, but mostly you because you're my mom. This is the last thing that Jesus said. Do you think it's important? Yes. So the last thing Jesus says, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he commissions his disciples. He tells them to go and do something. These are the words that ring in their ears their entire life past this moment. And here's what he tells them to do. Go. Go into all the world and make disciples. And then as if they didn't get that, he is killed. He comes back. He rises from the dead. He appears to them again. And just before he like does this amazing pyrotechnic thing where he pops up into heaven called the Ascension, awesome light show there, he tells them this in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power so you can be my witnesses. Why do we grow up? Here's the big idea. God wants us to grow up so we can grow out. Let's say it different. God wants us to grow up before we grow out. Here's why that before is so important. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm using this baby thing a lot because I want to make sure you get it. Because sometimes spiritual things, do they ever just fly over your head? Like, okay, that sounds really spiritual. Lots of big words. Don't really know what it means. But we start talking about babies. We're like, oh, yeah, I got that. Babies. Like, nobody has a newborn and puts them out with a suitcase on a sidewalk and says, good luck. You didn't do that, did you? Okay. Parenting class next week, right? Nobody does that. Why don't we do that? Because they're going to die. Or if we're lucky, get taken by somebody who loves them and raises them. Nobody, you don't grow out before you grow up. The reason that my children live in my house is because we feed them. We clothe them. We love them. We train them. We are growing them up before they grow out. It's huge. We've got to get that. Because if we, look, I put this down, this crazy way to think of it. Sitting in a packed arena of mature adults at a loud concert, for me, that's fun. Like, grown adults going crazy at a concert, at a sporting event, for me, that's fun. Um, what about sitting in a packed nursery full of crying babies? I'm not signing. I'm sorry, I'm not signing up for that. Like, I mean, I, I want to serve, but like, I don't even need to be packed. Sitting in a nursery with two crying babies, you're just like, this is not of Jesus. Like, these are cute kids, but they are full of sin. Somebody had. I got. I think that kid just his head spun around. I want out. Right? There's something about being in a packed room, a packed place with adults, but just a few babies, and you will be climbing the walls. Now think about church from God's perspective, okay? I'm giving you permission to leave the comfortable chair at the gathering and go pop up on a throne for just a second. Think about the church from God's perspective. When he looks down at church, 
does he see a room full of maturing adults spiritually, or does God see a nursery full of crying babies? That's what Paul's getting at here. Like, it was one thing to be an infant when you were supposed to be, but it's another thing to be an infant when you're supposed to have grown. Numbers and greater impact will come, but the command from Jesus was not to make bigger churches. Before anything, it was to make disciples, to grow his kingdom. Grow up before we grow out. That's the first thing I want you to get. God wants his children to grow. Here's the second one. (laughs) Y'all saw this right away, and you're like, CrossFit, sweet. Let's talk about a better kind of CrossFit. Um, Raise your hands if you've at least heard of CrossFit. Okay. CrossFit is um, sweeping the country. Let me explain to you quickly what it is. It's basically this return to fitness the old school way. Right? It's people that got together and said, man, forget that air-conditioned gym junk. We're going to open up a place. We're not even going to call it a gym. We're going to call it a box because it sounds stupid and people will love it. And they're going to pay us money to come do it. And here's what they're going to find in the box. They're going to find no air conditioner. We're going to have one of those old school, big old fans that just blow air. They're going to smell a lot of body odor. They're going to do things like pull-ups and push-ups. They're going to do things that require body weight. And then, oh, by the way, here's the best part about it. Let's charge them 120 bucks a month. Like They won't go to the air-conditioned gym for 30 a month, but they're going to sign up for that for 120 And guess what's happening? They're buying it. People are going like crazy to CrossFit. Let me introduce you to a, a better kind of CrossFit. It's a training plan that takes us back to the basics, just like CrossFit does. And here's what it takes us back to. Ephesians 4.15 says this. Instead, instead of what? Who can remember? Instead of being a baby tossed around by waves, and if you ever want to see what that looks like, just take a small child to the ocean and just let him alone in the ocean. It's not pretty. Instead of that being our experience with Jesus, he says, instead of that, speak the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Here's God's original CrossFit plan. Let's go back to truth. What was the cross about? Oh, I know, I know, Pastor Paul, I know, I got it. Call me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Okay, you. What was the cross about? The cross was like God, like he sent Jesus, and he died on the cross so we could have awesome Easter plays. No. God sent Jesus on the cross because Mel Gibson was going to do a movie. No. The cross was God speaking truth to the world. And here was the truth. You ready for it? I love you. You're a sinner. You deserve hell. That's hard to hear. But when we look at the cross, we see like pageantry and lights and a great show. And But when God, the cross was despicable, like thieves hung on crosses. The cross was actually designed to humiliate the people on them. And so God, in the form of Christ, he's on the cross. He's being publicly humiliated to speak truth to mankind. 
And the truth is, hey, I know you're all wrapped up in like Easter plays, but if you weren't sinful, I wouldn't be here. Do you see that? I didn't ask if you like it, but do you see it? The cross was the truth about our condition. The great thing about the cross, I love this, is that it's not just Jesus hanging on the cross speaking truth about our sin. It's also Jesus hanging on the cross, and while he's speaking truth about our sin, he's giving himself up for it. That's amazing. Like The truth about you, Paul, is that you're a sinner and that you deserve hell. The truth about me, Paul, is that I'm God, and I love you, and I'm giving myself as the payment for you deserving hell. I'm making a way for you to have eternal life. This phrase here, speaking the truth in love, literally in the Greek, it means to, to be doing truth or acting truly. God uses the truth that we speak, that we do. He uses the commitment we have to truly act with one another in truth to grow us. And here's the thing. It's uncomfortable. It requires a lot of discipline. And it is costly. So the, the good news is, <laughs> we should try this. The good news is, it won't cost you 120 bucks a month to do God's CrossFit plan. I mean, unless you just out of the willingness of your heart want to sign a check for 120 bucks a month to the gathering, that's cool. But it won't cost you that. Here's what it will cost you. It will cost you pride. It will require a willingness to believe the best about each other. It will require a willingness to believe that what we say is always motivated by the love that Jesus showed us at Calvary. We'll need to be willing to hear what we need to hear, not just what we already know. I did not make this the big idea, although I think it's a fantastic little poem, but you can jot it down if you want to. If I, tell you, if, if I tell you what you know, you'll blow up. If I tell you what you need, you'll grow up. Let me explain that. Sometimes in, in church, even just in life, we just want people to tell us what we already know. Like, I want you to come up to me after church and say, you are the, the best-looking man I've ever laid eyes on. And I'll be like, I know. See how I started to blow up a little bit there? Sometimes we just like to be told what we know about ourselves, and so we blow up. We blow up with pride. We blow up with knowledge. We become these really fat. In church, do I, can I really honestly, as a pastor, tell you anything that you probably don't already know in America? We, we talk about stuff we know already, and we love to sit around and have these discussions, and like, but we're just blowing up. We're just blowing up with pride, with knowledge. Not any good. But when you grow is when I tell you what you need. When you come to me and say, Paul, this is what you need. And I believe that you love me enough to tell me that. That makes me grow. It'll cost us time. It'll cost us the time it takes to invest in relationships that stay connected to one another even when truth hurts and we want to pull back. It'll cost us comfort because nobody gets sharper and stronger without discomfort. Um, just jot down Proverbs 27, 17. This is the verse in the Bible that mentions God's box. This is his CrossFit box. It says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So let me just describe to you God's CrossFit gym. There are hammers flying. 
There is fire burning, and there are sparks everywhere. That's how God grows us. Now, let me just let you push back. I'm going to do the pushback for you because I know it's like I got the mic and you don't, right? So if you're sitting there, if I'm sitting where you are and you're up here talking, one, I'm thinking this is the best message I've ever heard in my life. Two, I'm thinking, wait a second. So I just get to be a jerk? You're telling me I get to come to you and tell you all the things that you need. I can just be a jerk about it? You can be, but that wouldn't be what Ephesians 4.15 is talking about. Speaking the truth in love. And we've, we've taken that verse in church and we've gone, ha! I'm just speaking the truth, baby. You got bad breath. Do you remember the story I told you when I was a youth pastor and I prayed with this kid? And when I'm at the altar and I put my hand on him and I mean, I was praying like crazy. I mean, I'm touching Jesus, right, for this kid. I mean, I'm down in his face. I'm just like, God, just touch him, God. Just love him. Bring him back to you, God. Just do what you want to do in his life. Use him in a great and a mighty way. It's like a total Pentecostal youth pastor prayer, right? And when I got done, I was like, what do you think about that? And he said, dude, you need a breath, man. This isn't about saying what we want to hear. It's about being told what we need. You know what he taught me? Always have a breath mint. Do you know who benefits from that? You. If I remember to have a breath mint. I got better because a 12-year-old told me the truth. Sometimes we, we think it's okay just to speak the truth, but the, the deal is to speak it out of love. I love, I love what Matt Chandler will say, David Platt will say. So you can never, if you can't talk about the judgment of God with, te- with tears in your eyes, don't talk about the judgment of God. This isn't, a, this isn't an, an, an excuse for the church to rise up and bully people with the truth. This is a call to lay your life down for people in truth. Huge difference. Because the ultimate truth about people is that God loved all of us enough to send Jesus to pay the price for our sins. Here's the thing I cannot, I can't get this out of my brain. The world is paying hand over fist for a physical training program like CrossFit. But Christians aren't willing to invest anything into God's plan for their spiritual training. Hey, Paul, like, I really want to grow. So could you do me a favor? Sure. How can I help you? Could you, like, teach amazing spiritual wisdom in 10 minutes and be done? Could you, like, make it so easy I don't have to even think about it? Could you be so phenomenal on Sunday that I don't really need to read my Bible Monday through Saturday? I mean, can we, is that too honest? Because that's kind of how we, sometimes I think that. I'm like, I talk to myself, hey, dude, seriously, Paul, knock this one out of the park. If you'll just knock this out of the park on Sunday, you can take the rest of the week off. We're not willing to invest squat in God growing us up spiritually. But we will spend so much money on diets on CrossFit, on Gold's Gym that you have not been to since January. On T25, on P90X, on whatever else has a number and a letter and sounds phenomenal. 
any other exercise video that shows some dude with rock hard abs that makes me a guarantee if you'll do this for eight weeks, you will look like this. It's not true. And I can show you, but I won't. The point is this. In every other area of our lives, we understand it takes an investment. But in the part of our lives that matter the most, we don't want to invest anything. I want to have really strong relationships, but don't ever say anything I don't want to hear. What? It's not possible. This says it's not possible. It's speaking the truth in love. So here's the thing. Our willingness or unwillingness to live in a community that has a doing truth culture is what determines kind of what the church looks like. And so let's finish this up with this. Number three, why Jesus, why loving Jesus isn't enough. Not probably the kind of phrase you would typically hear a pastor say in church, but here's why, Je- here's why loving Jesus isn't enough. Um, I do not do CrossFit. Just need to let you know that. I don't go. I'm not a member at the box. I don't go to CrossFit. I understand, too, why people don't like the CrossFit spiritual training program that I just described. So let me ask you a question. How many of us in this room have ever been a part of church and it hurt? Raise your hand. Okay, so it's not an uncommon experience, right? Any church is going to be like that. You know why? We say this all the time. Why is it like that? Because there's people here, right? Again, you accept that premise in your house, right? You have fights with your spouse. Again, most of you on the way here were fighting. Just in here, we don't know it because you're smiling. But once you get back in the car, you'll pick up where you left off. But for two hours, you got us fooled. (laughs) Whatever, right? Because I have a car with a spouse too. So here's the thing, man. It's just when people are in a room, whether it's Rotary, whether it's Duke of Carolina, whether it's State and whoever's beating us at the moment, whether it's church, it's not even about Jesus. When you just got people in a the room, there's going to be stuff. We accept it everywhere else, but somehow we walk into church and think God sprinkles pixie dust and we're not going to have problems. That's stupid. Paul says it right here. You speak the truth in love, that's how the body grows up. It's not enough just to love Jesus. A lot of us, here's what that means. We get hurt and we pull back. Take church out of it. Insert Man, insert woman. Let's talk about relationships. You get burnt enough in relationships, and guess what you want to do? You still want to find Prince Charming, but more than likely you're going to pull back and live alone. Because at some point you're like, I just don't want to go out there again. It hurts. So I totally, totally understand why people will make statements like this. Me and Jesus have a good thing going. I'm probably better off without the church that he died for. The problem with that, according to verse 16, is that without the church, all we have is the head. Listen to what he says. From him, the whole body, from him is Jesus. He's the head. He just said that in verse 15. From him, the whole body, the head, Jesus, he's our, he's our pastor, The whole body is joined and held together by each supporting ligament, and it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So here's the picture, and this is a weird picture, okay? 
but I want to make sure you get this. Some churches, some people don't have Jesus. Some churches don't have Jesus. They function like civic organizations. They come together on Sunday. They, do, they even do a lot of good in the community, but they never talk about Jesus. That's a, that's a corpse. That's a body with no head, according to what we just read. It's dangerous. But let's talk about the flip side. The people that you and I both know, that we all know, that we'll hear, you'll meet these people in Walmart, and they'll say, I don't need the church. I just need Jesus. So if a church that doesn't preach Jesus is a corpse without a head, then people that love Jesus but don't need the church are holding a severed head. So they're looking at Jesus. They're loving him. Beautiful face. There's no depth, substance. There's nothing. Just the head. I didn't write Ephesians 4. But that's what Paul said. If all I have is the head, I'm not growing up. Can't. It's not possible. The picture of the church in Ephesians 4, 14 and 16, is a strong, mature body that has grown up into a complete body connected securely to Jesus, the head of the church, and to one another, the body of the church. So instead of being an infant or an, a hideous body with no head, the church has grown up in truth, and now, by using the gifts that each one of us have been given, is ready to grow out with truth. Do you see that? God wants us to grow up before we grow out. No positions, no rights, no jockeying for the best seats. Because we've loved each other honestly, we've served each other faithfully, there's a bond of unity that we must have as we take the gospel out to our city, our country, our world. Um, just a minute, we're going to show a video clip to wrap this up. And I'll kind of give you some instruction about how we're going to close. But let me just make sure you get this. Think back to the last thing Jesus said, which was, go and make disciples. Where? In the whole world, right? So, like, if you've never been out of Norwood, it's time to get in the car. Okay? The whole world for you is Cabarrus County. Check it out. It's got them all. If you've got, like, you know, traveling from county to county down... Time to go to a state. Just pick a state. I'd stay away from Arkansas until you're really holy. Pick another one. Right? There's a lot of work to be done in Arkansas. <laughs> you done the state to state thing? Think about a country. You know, you want to kind of dip your feet into the, your toe into the mission water. Jamaica's an awesome place. You can go tell people about Jesus and get your hair done. It's fantastic. You know, you're ready for a little bit more of an adventure? Go with us to India sometime around the world. Someday we're going to be in Honduras. We'll be digging wells. You know, you got a strong man, woman. If you're a woman with armpit hair, you want to go with us to dig a well, we'd love to have you. The point here is that God wants us to grow up so that we can grow out. We are called to proclaim the gospel to the whole world. And we're too small for that. We are too small for that. 
And the only way for us to full, fully fulfill that, to fully fulfill, I'm pretty sure that was redundant. Anyway, for us to carry that out and fulfill it is for us to actually be together, unified, one body, growing up into the head, supporting each other as we use our gifts, growing each other up through the gifts, and then we're a strong body of love, carrying a truth of love out to the world. That's the plan of God. It's a huge deal. It cannot be done without being close and unified with one another. So, I've been talking for, who knows, way too long, and it's possible that you've forgotten everything I said, probably, likely. So, we have a clip. It's about three minutes long, and it'll wrap everything up, and you'll love it. So, let's go ahead and show that, and then I'll come back, and we'll close out. We're called to something so much greater than winning a football game. The stakes are higher. The needs are greater. All around us, people are drowning in sin. They're drowning in a world racked with the effects of sin. I can't tell you where it is. It's in, it's in Ezekiel, I think, but the verse that says that God is set in our hearts. He has set eternity in our hearts. And if we hadn't learned anything else from what happened two nights ago that we prayed about, it's this. It is over soon. It is probably over a lot quicker than we expect it to be. And I don't mind appealing to your emotions on this. We need to be ready. And there's a whole city out there that needs to be ready. And so God's great plan for growing us up before he grows us out is a body connected to one another and connected to him, faithfully serving each other and growing up. A body not content to be a grown man drinking from a baby's bottle, but a fully matured, meat-eating body, giving itself fully to each other and to the mission we're called to, seeing the lost come to know Jesus. It will not happen, the gathering, look at me gathering, it will not happen because a few decided to start this church and a whole bunch of people decided it'd be a cool place to sit and listen. It will happen, just like Paul wrote at the end of verse 16, as each part does its work. That's what these tables are about. That's what this brochure you were given last week is about. I didn't get a brochure last week. They're on every table. Come get one more done. That's what these iOS ministry teams are all about. iOS just means I offer service. This morning is about giving you the opportunity to start functioning like a body, to start growing into maturity. These teams are a chance for all of us to stop being the 35-year-old man who still leaves his underwear on the floor because he knows his mom will pick it up for him and wash it. My apologies to any 35-year-old man who did that this morning. Listen, joining a team is just your chance to serve. And I'll just go ahead and say this because we live in a culture that's very busy. I get it. We're too busy. 
not always our choosing. But these teams, these are not about busy work. This is about body work. It's a big deal. You and me finding our place, what we were made for, doing it with the passion of people who are all in on a mission to see the lost found. We don't serve so the body can grow out faster. We serve so the body can grow up stronger. God wants us to grow up before we grow out.